You may be seated. It's our privilege to have Pastor Bassett with us. He's no stranger to you by now. Been pastoring, ministering for more than 60 years. And I thank God for his friendship and his influence and the privilege of having him with us. I told him when I first met him, I wanted to squeeze as much out of him while he's still with us. And praise God, he's with us again. So let's bow our heads in prayer and ask the Lord to use his servant once again this morning. Father in heaven, we thank thee. We thank thee for thy grace, thy marvelous grace. We thank thee for thy sustaining power that rests upon us. We thank thee, Lord, that thou dost put thy hand upon thy men. We're thankful for the life and testimony of thy servant, Mr. Bassett. And we pray now that as he stands to proclaim thy word this morning, he might know an unction from above. He might know an empowering from on high. He might be helped to declare, thus saith the Lord. Use him for thy glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. But I was unwell last night. An empty can makes a lot of noise when you kick it. Well, last night it didn't seem I'd be able to preach. My wife said, you can do the dedication, but you can't preach. But I couldn't believe that I wouldn't preach. And uh, I had no message from God last night. I've hardly slept, but that's good that I can bring a message straight from, from the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 9 that was read earlier, verse 16 is so crucial, relevant to us. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me Yea, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. And that was, my wife and I have a very good relationship, but that was the word that God gave me. And all night I've been pondering and meditating and looking forward to be amongst you. Isn't it wonderful that you necessity is laid upon one? And that is something which only a, a preacher knows. And woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. And that is the most crucial thing today. You know, when you become a Christian, you become a temple of God. You know, you see Westminster Abbey and St. Paul's and all these buildings, they're not temples. A temple is a man or woman, a boy or girl, indwelt by God, if you turn back to 1 Corinthians and uh, chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, to find what you are or what you come. I expect people to be converted this morning. Jesus Christ has sent us into the gospel to preach the gospel in the, all the world. And here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I read from verse 19, to know what a Christian is. A Christian is a temple of God and a temple of the Holy Spirit. This is something wonderful. What? Know ye not 
that your body, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. It's not something we look forward to in Never Never Land or at the end of when we die or when we go to glory. Now, if the Spirit of God isn't in us, we're not a Christian. It is as vital as that. Let, let me read it again. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have, which you have of God? And this is something we've lost. And you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I think we've lost these words. A Christian is not his own. All that you have doesn't belong to you. It's redeemed by the blood. It's under the blood. It's God's possessions, not ours. Notice what it says in, in these amazing words. For you, you're not your own. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It's worth coming here with all the din outside to hear that. You're not your own when you're born again. You belong to him. He's redeemed us. He's bought us at such a price. And therefore, it changes our whole life. We, you're bought with a price. Therefore, in the light of that, glorify God in your body. Be careful how you use your body, what you do with your body, because your body isn't yours. Your body doesn't belong to you anymore if you're a Christian. It's his and not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, your human spirit, because they belong to God now. What an amazing truth to see. The first great thing, a Christian is the temple of the living God. And I think we need to, people travel to see buildings and all the rest of it. The temples are in here. There are many temples in here. I pray there'll be more temples by the time I finish preaching. I'm preaching, expecting people to be saved. Preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world. Remember the end of Mark 16, is it not? Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's something huge. That is our commission. That is the commission given to Pastor Morland and all you people who work with him. And that is something very wonderful, all to be realizing that we are the, 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 the temple, the temple of God. Uh, something huge and, uh, and, and, and wonderful. And you know, when you, uh, you go on into, 2 Corinthians, moving further on. And there, um, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, it's, uh, it's wonderful to read what we are. In verse 10, have you noticed these words? Have you ever heard them before? To be not only a temple, I bear God. 
I'm a bearer of God. And not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. And some of you people, your lives are empty. They need to be filled with God. We need to become bearers of God, carrying God wherever you what well, occasionally on special no always always if we thought like that we would treat our bodies very very differently as men and women and boys and girls and young people let me read it again then in in 2 Corinthians uh, 4 and I'm reading always verse 10 2 Corinthians 4, always, always bearing about in the body the, the, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus might be manifest, revealed in, in, our, in our body. That, that is something wonderful. Always a God-bearer, always a temple, but always a God-bearer. Have you ever realized your life is empty until it becomes a temple? Your life is empty until you know what it is to carry God everywhere. A, a God-bearer. There was a famous early Christian and he was called Theophorus. God-bearer. And that's what I am. And that's what I've come here to preach. Last night, my wife said, you'll be over to go. And, and to dedicate the uh, Daniel's and, and, and Amy's uh, little boy, Levi. But, but you, you won't be able to preach. But in the night, the Lord laid these texts upon my heart. I, I didn't sleep a wink. And, uh, and I'm here and I'm fired up and I'm expecting souls to be saved. You, you know, I'm expecting souls to be saved. And some have lost. Some have lost the love they had, and some have never loved him well. Oh, this might be a, a time of revival. Will not revive us again in the midst of years and in wrath. Remember mercy. There won't be a revival until we re return to the Lord and realize that we need to become, yes, temples of God, and to realize that we need to be those who, who carry God where, wherever, wherever God, God takes us. These are some of the glorious and, and, and wonderful things that the Lord is, 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 is showing us. And you know, to realize the, the importance of his death. This comes out in the scriptures, always bearing about in the body, not only the living of the Lord, but the dying of the Lord Jesus. And when I was meditating in the night, he brought these words before me in uh, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It's present, sitting there, sitting here, standing here. To know this now, I am crucified with Christ. <coughs> it's very seldom mentioned. It literally means to be co-crucified. 
We know that his death was unique, bearing our sins, but we are crucified with him. <coughs> We're yoked together with him. Literally, it, it should be translated, Galatians 2.20, are you looking at it? I am co-crucified with Christ. That is the permanent, present, and future condition of a Christian. <coughs> I am. I am from now on, if never, if never before, crucified with, with, with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Seem to contradict him, but read on. I live. Yet not I. The old I has been crucified. The old I now must be crucified. Let me read it slowly. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. The old I, the old ego, it's going to die. And it's going to die in this new tent. This afternoon, now at this moment. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. What an incredible thing. Not, Christ isn't passive. He's active in our life. He's living his life out in our life. If you're a real Christian, the, the wonder of it ought to dawn upon us in a special way. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. <coughs> and the life which I now live in the flesh. How do you live it? I live by the faith of the Son. It's not faith in the Son of God. It's genitive. The faith of the Son. Isn't it amazing? Jesus has left his faith for us to live. That's what it says. Read it. <coughs> I live by, by the faith of the Son of God. We ought to be far greater Christians and servants than we are if we realize we are living the faith of the Son of God. Not like Him, it's His faith. The faith of the Son of God. Have you never seen that? Do you know that? Look what it says. The faith of the Son of God <coughs> who loved me. It's a personal thing. Do you know his love? Do you know indeed that he, he, he loved you? And, uh, and then it says, and, and, and gave, gave himself for me. It's an amazing thing to know the love of the Son of God and, and, the, and, the, and the giving of the Son of God who gave himself <coughs> for me. When you read on in, uh, in Galatians and into the fourth chapter, in the fourth verse, but when the fullness of the time was come, when time was up, time's up, we say, the time's up, when our time was up, when the fullness of the time was come. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, 
made under the law to redeem, to buy us back who are condemned under the law that ye might receive the uh, adoption of sons. And because of, of the sons, God has sent forth. It's amazing. The, the God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son. Not the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, the Spirit of His Son. I read it again from Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, crying, Abba, Father, it is intimate. It literally is Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. <coughs> what an amazing thing to know these great <coughs> and, and, and wonderful, wonderful truths. So that is the thrust of the message that God has, has given me. There's enough to keep you for eternity. There's enough to challenge you to live for him in a new way, to know Jesus in that very wonderful way. <coughs> You see, we've got it again in the opening of Ephesians chapter 2. Some of us were in my garden the other day. And some of you said an amazing thing after I'd spoken, I think, four times in a, twice in the morning and twice in the afternoon. <coughs> you said that uh, you'd never forget the time in the garden. And one of the great things we see is this in Ephesians 2 and verse 4. But God, you study those two words, they occur, reoccur so many times. But God, where would we be today? But for God, there are two wonderful words. But God, who is, this is 2 Corinthians Excuse me, Ephesians 2.4, Ephesians 2.4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead. When we were dead, and some of you here today are dead in sins. Or you may say, I believe in God. But you've never been converted. You've never wept for your sin. You've never turned from sin unto the Saviour. And so here it's put, but God who is rich in mercy. You know, you may be rich in goods, you may be rich in having Mercedes and, uh, and cars and, and possessions, but are you rich in his mercy? Those riches pass away. You leave them, you leave the Mercedes in the garage when you die. <coughs> but here, but God who is rich in mercy. Here's the manifestation of it. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins. His great, even when we were dead in sins. Hath, hath quickened us. Together. With Christ. 
He's, he's raised us up together. He's raised up Christ out of the grave in his resurrection. And we've been given a spiritual resurrection. We've been raised together. It's made, we've been raised together. And the power that has raised Christ from physical death has brought us from spiritual death. Same power. You may need to ponder that. You, you should. The same power. And it's, and there's not one here and one together. He's raised from physical death. We are raised from spiritual death. Hallelujah, I say. What a savior. We don't know the half of what he's done. We're only just beginning. And he, and he makes it so amazingly plain. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together. You see at the beginning of the chapter, and you hath he quickened who were dead, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, and dropping down into verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together. Not separately. Christ physically, us raised together, quickened us together. And, and the wonderful thing is, uh, it's through the grace of God, with Christ, by grace, you say, grace is the undeserved, unsought for favor of God. By grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone lest any man should boast, but we are created unto good works. Yes. Works must proceed from the salvation. We're not saved by works, but we're saved to work for God and for God to work in us. And that, these are the great and glorious truths. And so you see here has raised us up together and listen, and made us sit together. We're seated together in heavenly place in Christ do you ever know that? You know, we wouldn't be sitting here like zombies if we realized that. The wonder of, of being lifted up and made to sit together in Christ. That in the ages to come, he might show, look at verse 7 of Ephesians 2, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved. None of us deserved it, whether you were brought up in a godly home. For by grace, this undeserved, this unsoughtful favor, through faith, the source of our salvation, the grace of God, it flows from the source, the river, flows down from heaven. For by grace you're saved and the instrument through faith. And, and you see, it's not making yourself a Christian. It's given by God. And that not of ourselves. 2 Corinthians, uh, Ephesians 2.8, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. We've got nothing to boast of in our salvation. It is totally of God. It is totally of grace. And so he says here in verse 10, yes, we're not saved by works, but we are his workmanship. It's an amazing thing. 
amazing word. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained. Do you know, for every Christian, there are works which are ordained of God. And we need that. We haven't got many people working for God. I've, I have nights when I nearly die. I, I wasn't well last night. My wife said to me today, I think I said it earlier, you can go to the dedication, but you won't be able to preach. But I haven't made too bad a job of it, considering you're not able to preach. That's God, though. Put all the glory. Put all the glory in the drawer for the Lord. Oh, everything is of him. Save from glory to unto glory. Till in heaven we take I don't want to go to him. Some, yeah, yeah. There's too much to, to do here. And I tell you what, there are too few to do it. There are far too few to do it. We need servants today. We need people to lead that selfish life. Even as Christians, give yourself again to God. And so how rich in wonder for you by grace. Are you saved through faith? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Look at this, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship. And why are we here? Created in Christ Jesus unto good. And the word kalos in the Greek is beautiful. Unto beautiful works. Noble works. That God has foreordained that we should should walk in them. Well, that's for starters. Oh, that God would work again. Oh, that he would revive us again, as I said in the beginning, in the midst of the years and in wrath. Remember mercy. Oh, let, let me pray. And I pray that some of you will come to me, not because only because I'm God's servant and he's brought me here to give this message. Restore, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Most of us need to pray that. And we then would know this, the joy of the Lord shall be our strength. Eh? Joy unspeakable. Isn't it wonderful? It, the Bible is inspired, it's inerrant, it's infallible. All those things I was taught when I was trained to be a minister. But it, it's wonderful to know the word of God. Not of works lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he has foreordained to us to, to walk in. Some have lost the love they had. Some have never loved the world. I'm not satisfied, even standing here at this moment. I wish I could have another go at it. But I pray with all my heart that surely you'll be saved. Have you got so used to hearing the gospel? Can you remember when the blood of Christ cleansed your life? Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And we don't hear much of blood. We have bloodless sermons today. We don't hear about the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. There's no forgiveness. There's no hope. 
and that is something great and something wonderful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us because the power of the blood from all unrighteousness. He can make us totally clean in our whole, in our whole life. Surely you'll come up to me afterwards and say, I've been I expect people to have been saved today. I expect people to have been restored today. I expect us all to follow on to know the Lord, to be on fire for Christ. Where is the fire? Jesus Christ came to bring fire. And do you remember with Elijah when the fire fell? We've, we know, we don't know much about fire. The fire of God. May he come and, and do a mighty thing. Lunch can wait, but God can't wait. We pray that he had come and stir us again and pour oil on us. Give me oil. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Keep me burning to the break of day. That's it. Let us pray. Oh, great and glorious God, forgive me, I've not done a, made a better effort, though I've lost the night of sleep. I thank you for bringing me here. I thank you for these uh, amazing words that we've heard. And pray that there will be people not only saved, I expect people to be called to real service. I expect people to, to be restored, and to have that joy of the Lord restored. Oh, God. Feed us, feed us till we want no more, no more. Amen.